African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the rights to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Well, thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa. Uh, thank you for joining us uh, on uh, this Thursday edition of African Dialogue. You're listening to us on uh, shortwave on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. Uh, thank you for those who are also listening to our other uh, platforms, uh, uh, which is DSK. Well, today we're going to be looking at uh, leadership within the African National Congress uh, because this is a day where there is a huge commemoration taking place at the OWA. Tambo as part of the centenary celebrations. Uh, there is that unveiling of the statue of O.R. Tambo at uh, the airport itself. The president of South Africa, uh, Jacob Zuma, has just unveiled it. I'm looking at the images. Dali Tambo is there. Uh, the Minister of International Relations is there amongst other uh, stakeholders. Uh, and uh, it seems like a huge celebration taking there where people are dancing alongside the president of South Africa, Jacob Zuma. As I mentioned that uh, this uh, is a life-size statue uh, which will be stationed at the OR Tambo International Airport, which was renamed from the Johannesburg International Airport in honor of uh, the uh, hero's 89th birthday. On a different occasion yesterday, the Nelson Mandela Foundation also launched uh, Mandela's uh, second memoir, uh, which is titled Dare Not Linger, which documents the ex-president's years in office with South Africa's ruling party, the African National Congress, attached to historical figures such as O.R. Tambo and Nelson Mandela. What legacy of leadership has been held for this political party? Now, on the line, we are being joined by uh, Professor Diniku Maluleke, who is a political analyst and also an academic attached to the University of Pretoria, as well as uh, Gwen Gwenya, who is the CEO of the South African Institute of Race Relations. Let me start with you, Professor Maluleke, in terms of looking at this. It's not coincidental, the fact that uh, the ANC and the continent as a whole is acknowledging the 100th birthday of O.R. Tambio due to the fact that uh, this is the year where the ANC elective conference will be scheduled to take place later this year. How essential is this symbol for this year, especially when uh, the African National Congress is asking questions around uh, leadership? I I think it's very important. You know, uh, Benjamin, uh, Oliver Tambo, is arguably uh, one, I, I had you referring to him as the longest serving president mm. uh, of the ANC. And that doesn't quite do justice to him because it sounds like 
you know, he stayed on for too long. Sure. When in fact, when in fact, he held the ANC together uh, for that long at a time when being a leader uh, was not, um, uh, you know, didn't come with any privileges, sure. uh, really. Um, and and he didn't just hold the ANC together during all of that time. He also held the country together. Because in many ways, at that time, Oliver Tambo was the, was the real president of the country, uh, the alternative president, the exiled president of the country. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and so South Africans inside and outside, in exile but also at home, uh, really looked up to him for, for leadership and for signal. And he held all of us together um, uh, during, during this period. So I, I think it is very important that he is celebrated. Um, also because of the kind of leader that he was. You know, uh, a leader who... Sometimes one gets the impression it's, it's overshadowed by Mandela, uh, and, and unfairly so, because in as much as Mandela was uh, languishing in prison uh, for all those years, uh, Oliver Tambo was languishing in his own kind of prison, and that's the prison I've just described a few moments ago, the prison of leadership, leadership from exile, the prison of being a prison of hope, mm. of cons- insisting that this country will become free one day. Well, let me bring in Gwen and get your views on that, that particular issue that is highlighted by Professor Malulek. Gwen, in terms of, of leadership and the leadership style that we've seen in the formative years of uh, uh, the ANC, especially during its uh, uh, real fight against uh, apartheid, things were very much precarious at that particular time and things were very much, uh, uh, very not uh, geared towards one wanting to lead uh, in such a, a very uh, difficult and harsh environment as was highlighted uh, by Professor Maluleke. Well, I think different points in time give rise to different kinds of leadership. And I think, you know, a leader that perhaps, um, you know, was fit for a particular period in time may not be the same leader that's needed, you know, a decade later, two decades later. But I do think what's important for us to, to also bear in mind as we celebrate past leaders is to be wary of... I believe in SAFCO, you know, we, we, we do this often as almost a deification of, of, of leaders um, where we praise them to such an extent that they become almost godlike in our, in our image. And it's it actually in some circles quite taboo to even um, talk about the flaws and weaknesses of, you know, great leaders such as Tambo or Nelson Mandela. And, you know, but I think actually not that we need to bring them down, but I think it's just as important to humanize them and to be able to freely talk about any flaws and weaknesses they may have had because I think it makes us then realize that they were also ordinary, I mean, ordinary people but who obviously, you know, did extraordinary things. But I think it's important that in our, the way we view our leaders has that human element to them and they don't become these almost mythical or, or deified, um, mm. you know, people because if, if we do that, then we almost make it seem as though leaders such as Oatambo and Nelson Mandela were, were almost... Um, you know, entirely unique and that we cannot expect that kind of uh, leader again. Whereas if we humanize them a bit more, I think we start to see that they were just as, you know, they also had their flaws and their weaknesses. And it, um, and I think it also helps us to expect certain key 
key traits from the current leadership that mm-hmm. we have today. That good leadership isn't something that comes once every decade or sure. you know once in a lifetime. That there actually are key tenets of or that characterise good leadership that we can expect from every leader, and it's not beyond you know every leader that we have to to actually be imbued with the certain leadership characteristics. Mm. Well, I'm going to come back to that because I think that's a very important point that you bring out there. But I'm going to take a quick break before I come back to both of you. We have on the line Professor Diniko Malulek, who is a political analyst and academic um, at the University of Pretoria. Gwena Nguena is joining us from uh, the South African Institute of Race Relations. Uh, She's the COO there. And a very important point that Gwen speaks about, the deification of uh, uh, past leaders. But I know when you look at the likes of Or Tambo, it's very difficult just to see him from a more positive light. He was a very complex uh, uh, personality. Uh, there is a sense when you look back that uh, uh, that resembles uh, Or Tambo as a soft personality. But when you start getting into his work, you start seeing he's very robust and confrontational in actions that he believed in. We'll come back to that with Professor Malulake because he was very, very much of uh, uh, head-on confrontation Let's let's get it done. A kind of a personality. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back after this. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet, and satellite. From an African perspective. Guess what? You can now listen to Channel Africa using Silozi, Chinyanja, Kiswahili, Portuguese, French and English, giving you an African perspective. Hi, my name is Tandalunye Nzovo and you are listening to Channel Africa. We are Channel Africa from an African perspective. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Always love hearing those children, those young ones from Yeovil on Africa Day. We were there with them. So, yes, this is Channel Africa right here on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa on DSTV on Channel 802 on the audio bouquet. I'm joined by Professor Diniko Malulake, who's a political analyst, and Gwen Nguenya joins us from the South African Institute of Race Relations. Now, let's come back to that point, Professor Malulake, that was introduced by uh, Gwen, the deification and all over-glorification of past leaders. I don't know if this is the case about Oar Tambo. In fact, I feel like his leadership is uh, unspoken of. We don't speak of him as much as you highlighted. It seems like uh, uh, the likes of Nelson Mandela, he's number one on the uh, the kind of leader that we usually speak about when we make reference to uh, the history of South Africa. But Oar Tambo, he had a very complex personality because when you go into his interviews, he, he was very robust and confrontational. Let's look at an example. On 1985, Tambo delivered his most dramatic speech, calling on people to render South Africa ungovernable. And the next year, uh, we saw a state of emergency in 1985. He then still appealed to all uh, South Africans, both black and white, to make apartheid unworkable and the country ungovernable. He was very, very much of uh, let's get it done kind of a personality didn't hide most of his uh, uh, convictions, uh, Professor Malulek. Yes, I, I think the you know the time uh, that he was uh, president of the ANC, especially the 80s uh, that you refer to, uh, was a time that required of him 
to take the kind of stand that uh, you, 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 you have just referred to. So there is definitely no sense at all that he was the kind of leader who Oh, I think I think I'm losing you there, Professor Malule. I don't know if uh, you can continue, but uh, let me see if I can uh, still hear you. You can continue your sentiments, uh, but I was just struggling there for a moment. Okay. okay I so, can hear so you now. Sure. You can hear me. So uh, what I'm saying is that I don't really think that there's danger of uh, of deification, uh, deifying uh, Oliver Tambo mm. at all. Uh, if anything, uh, he has not been uh, spoken much about. Of course, uh, there are key texts that have been written about him. I've written quite a, a few things about the deification of Mandela, uh, personally, mm-hmm. but I haven't, I haven't felt the need uh, to do the same in relation to Oliver Tambo. I, you know, I also think that when we talk about Oliver Tambo, we are talking not about an individual only. Mm. We are talking about a kind of leadership that was available uh, to the ANC and to the country, the alternative kind of leadership. When here, what we had was Foster, what we had was P.W. Borta, mm. uh, uh, what we had was, uh, was uh, 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 all, all of those, uh, those apartheid leaders. Sure. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I, I don't think in, in, that, in that light it's, it's even possible to, uh, to deify him. Uh, we, we, must, we must also be careful that we are not so cautious about, uh, you know, about valorizing uh, our leaders, especially those who were able to capture the values of the time and of society, that we are not so careful about that, that we end up uh, not only playing them down, but actually playing ourselves down as a people Mm. who were able to stand up uh, in these difficult years assisted by the kinds of leader that Oliver Tambo was. That, that brings me to my next question, and it comes back to that question that was brought to you, to you forward by you, uh, Gwen. Uh, the fact that uh, it is a very much of uh, a difficult uh, um, balancing act to actually get right, because we're living in times where yeah. there is a lot of questioning around leadership, people speaking about a leadership vacuum. Uh, sentiments like that seem to be coming in and out in the last uh, uh, four, eight years. There's a lot of sentiments around that. And getting things right in, in terms of trusting the value of uh, uh, the valuable uh, leaders of our past and actually contesting with the current vacuum of leadership. It's almost like a state of consciousness where we always navigating to find the correct leader because of the emptiness that we're feeling and the current status yeah i mean i i I think actually you know the professor and i are not our views are not um you know wide apart we in a sense you know saying the same thing what i was just pointing out is the the danger of it being taboo to maybe talk about the flaws and weaknesses of leaders that we hold in 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 very high regard and maybe it may be the case as you're saying that with with tumble this is not the case and that the complexities of the man are well um, you, you know, spoken about, and I think that's a good thing. The danger is just 
that if we don't um, humanize them is that we create a kind of exceptionalism and we say actually we cannot expect leaders today to be like that because well that was Tambo, that was Mandela and you don't you know you don't get leaders like that I- anymore you know and I think we mustn't also be trapped in maybe that kind of thinking mm. um, that actually you know what I was saying is that there are you know characteristics or traits that we must look for in leaders and that it's important that we expect that of of of, of every person who may aspire to to a leadership role. And in terms of that leadership, you know, vacuum that you're talking about, for me, one of the key things that I'm missing today are leaders who are willing to provide or have the political will to to really provide, you know, a vision, um, you know, for the future and inspire people towards it as opposed to just a a populist way of, of, of leading where, you know, what they believe the mob or the this broader population wants becomes what the leadership espouses. So people like Tamba, I think, you know, espouse very difficult views at a time and try to persuade people to, um, you know, to different views. I just remember, um, you know, a, a quote of his where I think quite early on when mm. reconciliation may not have necessarily been the path that Africa would have embarked upon because, I mean, people were angry, you know, and I think it was it, it was a sign of quite visionary leadership to, to be able to say words um, you know, like he said that, you know, it is our responsibility to break down barriers of division and create a country where there will be neither whites nor blacks, just South Africans, a free and, uni- you, know, can- a, you know, free and united country in diversity. And I think that's quite important. And it would have been, for us now, perhaps 23 years later, perhaps it seems, um, you know, an, an exceptional to have articulated those words. But I think at a time, at a turning point in South Africa's history where, you know, tensions were high, that would have been quite visionary um, thinking um, to, to not go towards the path of retribution but a path of, of, of reconciliation. I think that's what's missing today is we almost have a culture in which, you know, the leaders just seek the popular sentiment and reflect, reflect that back as opposed to providing a new path that might yes be controversial, um, and if they mm. they don't succeed, might not get them elected. But mm. I think it's um, you know, it's it's it, it's important that leaders provide the direction opposed to mm. mob uh, mentality. I mean, effectively, it's not it's not just a uniquely South African problem. Mm. This is worldwide, where I feel you know leaders today might as well govern by referendum. We might as well have polls on everything, and whatever mm. the majority says, well, that's what that's what happens. It's a kind of populist um, mob rule or majoritarian rule as opposed to leaders themselves actually saying, you know, this is perhaps what the populist view is, but how about this vision and actually trying to persuade people towards mm-hmm. a different path. Mm-hmm. And there's not enough of there's not enough of that. Uh, Professor Malulek, I know I have to let you go in about five minutes or so, um, but this is a question I really wanted to put to you, which is looking at the advent of the new dispensation in South Africa. Nelson Mandela and uh, Tambo uh, were actually leading the 48th ANC National Conference, which was held in Durban in July 1991. This year we have another uh, symbolic uh, uh, elective conference which will be taking place what could you say about uh, the style of leadership and his legacy that Tambo left in terms of also how uh, uh, his uh, alliances were? Because we also know that uh, even within his uh, uh, struggle, he was very strategic in aligning himself with uh, those who would actually compose of the alliance. Uh, uh, we know the likes of Moses Kotane, J.B. Marks, and uh, Duma Nokewa, his trusted and capable uh, cadres and Kotane 
Mutani was the general secretary of the South African uh, Communist Party and also uh, treasurer general of the ANC. So he was very strategic with uh, his alliances as well. Uh, but we're starting to see that uh, alliance is something that's very much of a contested area within the current ANC. And the legacy uh, that we saw from the likes of uh, Tambo is not much to be seen in the current status quo. Yeah, certainly. I think uh, the alliance building was a very important strategy for Tambo. Uh, In in many ways, the current alliances are an echo of uh, the the building blocks uh, that he put in place, uh, especially with with the Communist Party uh, and others. But not just... uh, alliances internally uh, or, or but alliances that put south africa if one were to use a, a local a current uh, expression put south africa on the map because he built alliances across the world now which made you know which made him uh, look like and feel like the president that was not the president, the president we never had, uh, you know, the alternative president of the country. Now, what I want to focus on really to answer your question is if we were to look at the legacy and the difference with the leadership uh, today. Of course, his time was very different, as, uh, and very different was the time when Mandela became president of the, the ANC and, and the country. Tambo was president at a difficult time, a time of war. Uh, war as in the war of propaganda, but Mm. also the actual war, Mm. military war. And it's a very messy kind of context to be a leader because mistakes happen and lives get lost uh, and violence can become a habit, uh, both inside and outside. And, And we know that there were problems sometimes in the camps uh, with uh, with violence and um, undemocratic uh, tendencies developing, we now know that there, were all, there was also a lot of sexual violence uh, taking place. So he led at a very very difficult time, um, but I think what he and Mandela perhaps have in common, in contrast with what we're looking for today, mm. is that they were believable. Sure, uh, they were they were credible. Sure. that uh, when they spoke you you believed them. You could criticize their leadership style, but it was not that they themselves, their integrity as leaders and as, as persons were, was often, uh, or rather most times, impeccable. And that we miss very much uh, today. Uh, the second thing is that Tambo built institutions. Mm. He did not destroy them. And, and that was part, that's an extension of uh, the alliance building that you, you're talking about. The ANC could have easily disintegrated, could have easily been forgotten. Mm. It, was, it, was, it was scattered all over the world. Um, and it was not able to meet at home, as you know, it was banned. And he was able to keep this institution alive um, uh, in, in, in many different ways through a, a, a whole host of strategies I don't have time to, to talk about now. Um, so, so what we see now are leaders who, it seems to me, thrive on weak institutions or on weakening the institutions of the party but also of the state. And that for me is a tragedy 
because if you look at 23 years later, are our institutions stronger? Do, can we believe our leaders when they speak? Um, are they believable? Do they have integrity? And, and, and these may look like soft skills, but I mm. think they are the, the most scarce mm. skills at this time. Well, thank you, Professor Maluleke, for giving us your time. He's a great voice in South Africa's uh, contemporary uh, commentary in terms of uh, putting things in context and uh, also great projections that he's made in history on where even uh, the ANC would find itself currently. And I've heard him echoing uh, some of uh, the trends uh, that we're starting to see in the political landscape. Thank you, uh, Professor Maluleke, for giving us your time. We'll stay with you, Akwene Ngwenya, who's the South African uh, uh, Institute of Relations, a COO, I'd like to pick your brain further on uh, these leadership dynamics that you are highlighting. Something that uh, stood out for me that you spoke of earlier on is the populist trend uh, that we're starting to see in the style of uh, current leadership in South Africa, but not in South Africa, even beyond uh, our borders. Let's take a quick one. We'll be back after this. Good news for listeners in America. You can now listen to Channel Africa by phoning 605-47-1711. So, if you're a Channel Africa listener in America, simply dial 605-47-1711. Channel Africa, giving you the African perspective. We have great news for you. Channel Africa has gone mobile. If you have a cell phone, you can now download the mobile app for Android. You can get it on Google Play. Get the latest news from Africa. Get the Channel Africa app. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspectives. Well, I'm looking at this beautiful statue that has been stationed at the O.R. Tambo International Airport of the man himself, Oliver Tambo. He's a one hand raised high up in the air and uh, seeing his uh, uh, gray haired uh, uh, persona and face there, seeing his uh, really much softer exterior. But you can see that boldness within him uh, really uh, coming out in in those uh, eyes. And thank you for joining us for our conversation as we honor the man today or Tambo, but really zooming into leadership as our main hook uh, to this uh, conversation uh, Gwen Nguenya joins us on our program she's the CEO of the South African Institute of Race Relations before I continue with her uh, Grace has, uh, Gwen spoke about very something important when we started the program speaking about the fact that uh, the deification of leaders sometimes can become very much of uh, a watering down down of uh, who these personas are and uh, sometimes we forget their human sides i want you to listen to this uh, uh, adamant uh, uh, voice of or tambo speaking against the british government which wasn't doing enough as he was saying uh, to actually uh, really criticize and speak against uh, uh, the apartheid regime listen to his voice here as he's very adamant on this view I think if British people really understood what is going on there and if they're sufficiently horrified, 
uh, they would uh, allow themselves some time to say, how did it all start? And, and we in South Africa say it started with Britain. They had the opportunity to stop this thing happening. Uh, they missed that opportunity. They lost it. And they have landed the international community, not just the people of South Africa, and not only the people of Southern Africa, but the whole international community with a, a very serious problem. Now, what is necessary is, of course, not to complain about what happened 70 years, 75 years ago this year, um, but uh, to do something about it now. And, and, and British people can do something about it now. But how can we do something? I mean, is our stake in South Africa still large enough for us to be an effective country? It's very large. Your stake in South Africa is very large. And um, if you made use of that, uh, the results would, would, would be dramatic. Tell me what you mean. Well, um, from our position in South Africa, we see that the South African government or the apartheid system has drawn strength from its economic links with the outside world. It has thrived on investment that comes in from outside. If that were withdrawn, the regime would find it very difficult to operate. And Britain is a big investor, are you saying? Britain is a very big investor. And therefore we have said to Britain, as we have to the United States and other countries, that they should withdraw these investments, that they should uh, sever economic links with South Africa, that they should uh, participate in the imposition of sanctions on South Africa. Now, uh, Britain's role would be very effective. Well, that's the voice of Oar Tambo speaking there in 1985 while he was in exile, speaking to a BBC uh, journalist there. As I highlighted, was adamant uh, around the fact that Britain and also those who are investing into South Africa or were investing in South Africa at the time can actually do more to actually uh, speak against the apartheid regime. Well, uh, just to, to end our program, we still have uh, a Gwen. Nguenya uh, from the South African Institute of Race Relations. Well, I want to look at uh, this uh, post-apartheid uh, 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 era that we find ourselves in and maybe looking at the last uh, four years, looking maybe into uh, Zuma's uh, presidency. There has been a criticism of his style of leadership, people calling it a vacuum of leadership, knowing that there's a lot of uh, controversies and uh, allegations of corruption corruption linked to this one man, Gwen. Uh, is this the legacy of leadership that South Africa has the right to inherit? Or is there more that we, be, we need to do to look at other areas of leadership in contemporary South Africa? I've heard people saying that politics is not the only place to find leadership. Let's look around us and find that leadership. But I'm not so sure because politics play a huge role in each society. Well, of course. I mean, we can look at leadership in other areas, and I think that's true. You can have leaders, leaders in your immediate workplace, leaders in your family environment, leaders in the, you know, in the community. But the point is, I mean, as you say, you know, the political space is such a dominant one, and it it it, it should be setting their agenda nationally. And because of that, there's a particular and um, special type of leadership, um, you know, that affects really the lives of everyone who lives in South Africa. And for that reason. 
it is important the kind of leader that we have at the home. And as I say, we need to develop a common set of, of, of understanding of what we want in, in, in a leader. And these things are not exceptional. I think there should be bottom, um, you know, sort of minimal criteria for a leader, one who's consultative, who's transparent in their, in their approach. And again, I will, I will re-emphasize that one who's able to stake out a vision for the future that may perhaps even go against the popular grain. And as I say, those leaders that came out of uh, that pre-democratic era, when they chose the part of reconciliation versus that of retribution, that probably was going against the popular grain, but that's what's required of leadership. And today, in the last, you know, um, you know, in, in, in the last couple of years of democracy that we've sure. had, I feel far too often we're going down towards a more populist route. Actually, the point of our leaders or the elected aim is not in winning over people, winning over people to ideas, but rather winning elections. Um, so elections and power and positions have become the goal, as opposed to outlining principles and values that they wish the country to um, to follow and stand by, and saying, you know, I'm going to win people mm. over to a set of ideas and principles, as opposed to win people over to a, a particular political party or for the sake of winning elections. But then also just in a um, a final point I'd like to introduce, which I don't think I've mentioned so far in our conversation, mm-hmm. is that we should also be reflective as um, as a people. You know, leaders aren't just they don't arise out of a, out of a vacuum, sure. and we actually need to look at um, ourselves, society, and say, you know, what kind of society chooses a person like this to be their leader? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we need to look at the leaders we produce as a reflection of our society, and say mm-hmm. perhaps there's also something in society that needs to change that will then give rise to a different kind um, of leader because leaders are a product of their time and uh, you know I, I, I don't think well aside from perhaps a dictatorship which Africa is not the mm. leaders if a leader is going to be democratically elected then mm-hmm. as, as a leader then arises from the people then it must be to some extent a reflection of the people that um, that elected that particular leader so I think there's also a degree mm. of introspection um, so that needs to happen amongst the African populations so that we might give rise to a different style of leadership. Well, thank you so much, Gwen, for giving us your time. We really appreciate your commentary and your perspective. That's Gwen Nguenya, who is the CEO of the South African Institute of Race Relations. Well, uh, the um, celebrations of Oar Tambo and uh, the unveiling of its statue still underway at the Oar Tambo Airport. We know it's one of the uh, most uh, lucrative and attractive uh, airports on uh, the African uh, continent due to its, just its busyness and the fact that it's also just uh, a great airport in just the way it looks. It's a fantastic airport just to go through. It's so sufficient. But Dali Tambo, the son of uh, Oar Tambo is actually speaking right now. Let's listen to what he has to say, just as the son, to hear maybe he has some emotional attachment uh, to this moment. And the government as a whole, but um, to Duma and Kasi, because that really was a stroke of genius. Is, are you here? There he is. <laughs> we, we owe you so much, my brother. Um, since the airport was opened, my mother and I were a little obsessed with having a statue in this airport. I went through four um, ministers of transport, three CEOs of AXA, and about 11 years of campaigning uh, to have a statue in the airport, to have along the the broadwalks and uh, arrivals and domestic corridors something that said 
Johnny Walker, Johnny Walker, Lutuli Tambo, 1957. Johnny Walker, Bells, etc., etc. But to, to have this presence and um, to show him, because at the time the airport was opened, there was one picture of him in the dashiki after the stroke. There was one terrible bust um, uh, of him. But throughout the length and breadth of South Africa, there was not a single statue of O.R. So um, we were quite obsessed with having a statue in there. At one point, uh, we were told, no, we can have one outside. And my mother said, but why must people go and look for him? This airport is named after him. It must be inside the airport. So, Mum, it's your day. <laughs> it's happened. <laughs> Um, so it's a wonderful way to celebrate uh, the, the centenary um, of this great man. When one thinks about this airport, it is so special. The president will remember the day O.R. Uh, and Mama Tambo arrived back. You were there to greet them, Mr. President. And we had been through a number of African countries where uh, O.R. had wanted to thank the leaders of those countries with a delegation of ANC leaders. Um, hopping from one place to another. But as we passed over the border of Botswana and the pilot said, ladies and gentlemen, you are now entering the borders of South Africa, the plane erupted, singing, crying, people toy-toying, hugging each other, to the point whereby the air hostess had to say in a very stern voice, you can't toy-toy on a plane. Um, please sit down. But it was very emotional. We arrived at this airport, and all the airport workers on the tarmac downed tools, and we saw this sea of uniforms coming to, to the plane to greet us, followed by our president, Joe Slovo, and all of those who had, of necessity, had to precede uh, him and start organizing things in the country. Very emotional. Um, they had tried, the clerk's regime had tried to stop people coming to the airport. They'd blocked highways, they'd stopped buses, they were outside train stations, and yet tens of thousands of people uh, came to greet him, right outside there, came to greet him. Well, that's the voice of Dali Tambo, who is uh, uh, the son of uh, Owar Tambo. I love it that we came into just that moment where you were speaking about uh, how adamant they were, uh, him and his mother, Adelaide Tambo, who was also another heroine uh, in the struggle against apartheid and uh, how they were insisting on having an image of Owar Tambo right there at uh, the airport in Johannesburg. Well, that's how we wrap up our tribute for today of O.R. Tambo, definitely a man of great stature, a man of uh, believable convictions and a life well lived. 